0: Welcome to another episode of the Confident One Podcast. This is episode five, and it's a bit intense. Police brutality. Kenya has a long history of policing with excessive force, often resulting in unnecessary deaths, harm, disappearances of persons. I should invite an expert on police reforms and policy to shed more light, but today, it's just me and you trying to find solutions. We all have encountered or experienced police brutality at some point, whether on the roads, going about your business in the hood, on the streets. The violence witnessed by Kenyan police is a result of many factors. At the root of it is its beginnings under British colonial rule, poor recruitment policies, corruption, impunity. In the colonial era, for example, the role of the police was to protect the interests of the administration It was never to serve and protect the people and the public. It was a tool to advance political interests and suppress dissenting voices in the administration. Previous regimes, as witnessed, have used the police as a tool for repression and even assassinations, detentions, torture of political opponents. Not much has changed since then. And on this day in 2021, we still face these challenges. Despite major reforms and the new constitution, 2010, how police treat and approach civilians is still a major concern in Kenya. Let's talk about the training. Apart from the intense physical training, we overlook the important factors like mental education and training, which I believe can go a long way in bringing stability to the institution. Another issue that I think we should maybe talk about accountability, I mean, the level of accountability in the police institution is nearly zero. It's more often run with sheer impunity because the general feeling is one can get away with wrongdoing. In Kenya, there are entities mandated by the constitution to ensure accountability by the police service. The internal affairs unit is one of them. And the Independent Policing Oversight Authority, IPOA. But as my lawyer friend once put it, they are toothless tigers and diffractional. They don't serve justice or do good to the Kenyan public. IPOA is mandated, for example, to investigate deaths, serious harm caused by the police, and also investigating police misconduct. But rarely we see these investigations brought to a close and the police involved maybe brought to justice. We really see this. I know the question in your mind right now, what can we do? What can be done to change this pattern? Policing in Kenya falls under National Police Service Commission. But their salaries are processed by the Ministry of Interior, which is under the office of the President. That's a major issue and a problem this can only mean one thing. Um, The the national police service is not entirely independent. Let the commission handle the salaries since it's the recruiting and managing entity of the police service. Without this happening, their loyalties lie elsewhere. And we both know it's not with the Kenyan public and the Kenyan people. Plus, let it be made public whenever a police officer is is investigated for misconduct to encourage more accountability let's lobby for more political will for us to have a better police service i'm speaking directly to officers listening right now see wrongdoing by your colleagues as a major stumbling block to your work and the image of the police service it should be understood this is not a unique problem to kenya it's happening in africa we have police brutality all over Africa and the world. And a more notable case is the killing of George Floyd by a white police officer in the USA, which sparked a wild reckoning with police brutality and systematic racism in 2020. And even going to 2021, we still have systematic racism. We still have cases of police brutality all over the world. One thing we can introduce in Kenya, in my opinion, is implement body cams. What do I mean by body cams? It's a wearable audio, video, and photographic recording system used to record events in which law enforcement officers are involved. The cameras must be activated when officers are interacting with the public. And the events captured can't be deleted or edited. Let's advance this conversation. Let's pack this conversation. Let's hold the police service more accountable. They are mandated to serve and protect the Kenyan public, at large, but we are not seeing this. We're seeing more and more impunity, more and more cases of, of police brutality. And as they unfold, no one wants to take the board by its horns and address this issue. We are in the middle of a pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic. And throughout the lockdown, the police have continued with systematic extortions and extrajudicial killings. Young people from informal settlements have been disappearing, uh, been harassed while the police officers enforce the curfew in poor neighborhoods in Nairobi, especially. A case that's more notable was Yasin Moyo, a 13-year-old pupil from Valley Bridge Primary School in Madare, Jamaica Village, who was shot and killed by police while he stood at the balcony this goes to show you how we really need to um, talk about this and get serious and real reforms in the police service. We urge every patriotic Kenyan listening right now, you're a citizen of Kenya, not relent in this fight for social justice. We will fight until we can't fight anymore for reforms because The Constitution must be respected by all, and everyone is equal in the eyes of the law. We will remain defiant, courageous, and no form of harassment would break our spirit to fight for social justice and human rights. Even if you go down fighting, we are convinced that history shall definitely resurrect everyone that fought for social justice and human rights. When we lose our fear, they lose their power. The struggle for social justice should continue. And this episode is just an attempt, maybe, to spark that conversation and to keep that spirit of fighting for social justice and human rights alive. Because as countries around the world resort to strict measures to contain the spread of COVID-19, police and security forces have been handed unprecedented powers to enforce restrictions on movement. With lockdowns and curfews for residents particularly those living in informal settlements they already face widespread and often unchecked police misconduct and violence this concentration of power in the police forces is frightening and scary between some stats between 60 percent and seven percent of nairobi residents it's estimated they live in informal settlements These areas lack basic government services and housing and infrastructure, and they are poorly maintained with entire families living in just single rooms or just not having any shelter. Police violence and extrajudicial killings in Nairobi low-income neighborhoods have been an issue for many years, and we continue to witness them to this day. But this said, we can't also Uh, ignore the fact that we have good officers in in the service that are doing a great job and trying to serve and protect the public. But when we have a few of them who are wrong and who are not protecting and serving the public, the entire institution looks bad. So it's everyone's responsibility whether you have someone you know in the service. Spark this conversation with them. Talk to them. Let them know we're here to help them do their job and not to be a stumbling block in them achieving their agenda in serving and protecting us. Because, uh, like I said, the police behavior while enforcing the curfew is also anti to the precautionary guidelines promoted to slow the spread of the disease. The biggest problem is that the police are moving around arresting people, lumping them together with everyone else. It's making these self-quarantine and social distancing measures completely meaningless. I think some of the strategies the government is using are not even about preventing the spread of uh, COVID-19. I think some of the strategies they are more like civil unrest strategies, and I think someone in the maybe um, in, in an office somewhere in the government or in the police service has forgotten the real purpose of putting these policies in place. It's become a question of beating up people. It's not about the virus anymore. It's become a question of harassment. It's become a question of arrests, unnecessary arrests, roadblocks, harassing people. We have witnessed people getting home late because they were blocked from going home because the curfew hours lapsed. So we need to come up with a more proper way of handling this pandemic and while at it, we need to protect and serve Kenyans because our constitution has mandated us. And by us, I mean everyone who is a citizen of this country has a responsibility to make sure that the constitution is safeguarded and no one is experiencing police brutality whether you are in the wrong or on the right, because uh, we have courts of law where people can be um, arraigned in court and charged if they were in the wrong or they were offenders. But we should end this culture of police brutality and unnecessary harassment to innocent Kenyans. Let's dive into an issue that's, uh, also very thorny when it comes to police brutality. Demonstrations. Um, Article 37 of the Kenyan Constitution 2010 guarantees the right to peaceful demonstrations, picketing, and rights to assembly. Moreover, the Public Order Act regulates the organization of the public marches and demonstrations. And Section 5.2 states that public meetings notify in writing regulating officers at least three days, but not more than 14 days in advance to the purpose of ensuring order of the meetings. The notification system, for the Constitution 2010, replaced the old permit system, which curtailed people's rights to assembly. This was the recommendation to reform the Public Order Acts in order to increase more freedom of assembly. However, some police and government leaders still believe they are authorized by law to license public gatherings, which is wrong, whereby they disrupt gatherings and demonstrations claiming they need to be licensed. The government spokesman was quoted by a local newspaper some time back, they will not permit NASA protests slated for Friday due to interferences with businesses. Despite the police reforms and a constitution which guarantees the rights to assembly, police compliance. Activities is still low, and public demonstrations continue to be met with little and full force by the law. It's been seen and witnessed: the police, without adhering to the new police reforms and without effective skills on how to control crowds, have led demonstrations to be a running battle and violent between police and demonstrators. This has resulted to serious injuries and deaths of innocent Kenyans and in both police officers. There are cases of irresponsible and reckless police crowd control tactics and approaches where police injure and kill innocent people while demonstrating. There are recorded cases of police overusing tear gas, batons, clubs, crude weapons, such as stones, sometimes live bullets. Let's look at Africa because uh, police brutality is not unique to Kenya. In Africa too, we have witnessed police brutality. And let me just speak on South Africa. South Africa has a harsh record of police brutality too, and sometimes public brutality too. Past waves of xenophobic attacks against fellow Africans from countries such as Nigeria, Zimbabwe, Lesotho, have swept across the country, leaving deaths and ruin in their wake. Some have tried to call attention to the issue the Economic Freedom Fighters and Opposition Political Party held a protest in front of the USA Embassy in Pretoria and said Africans must learn to respect the lives of their neighbors first. Black Lives Matter solidarity protest also held in African cities in Kampala, in Dakar, but some have tried to highlight police brutality both in the USA and in African countries, such as Kenya where at least 15 people were killed by police when the lockdown and curfew restrictions began. We must start caring about lives of black people here in Africa first, said Julius Malema, the leader of economic freedom fighters. When you kill these Bambuans, Nigerians, Mozambicans, here in South Africa, we are teaching the world it's okay to kill black people. At the memorial service, and solidarity protest by the Nigerian government. One minute silence was observed for George Floyd amid charts of justice for George Floyd. But this brings us to a very interesting you know, discussion. Why do we feel like we need to violate our fellow Africans? But when we have global protests like the George Floyd protests in the USA, we join hands and support. But here, back here at home, or uh, in Africa, we have police brutality, but no one wants to talk about it. No one wants to address it. How can we express outrage over the death of George Floyd, but keep silent on the killing of our own people, and keep silent when our own people are being harassed? There's a case that maybe I need to highlight in South Africa. There was a young guy. Um, his name was Julius, a young South African boy who was killed by police from the Eldorado Park Police Station in Soweto. According to neighbours, um, Julius, who had been living with Down syndrome, was shot in the head and chest because he did not respond to officers' questions. He was unarmed. So we have cases of police brutality all around Africa, and I just picked on South Africa because uh, they have been. You know, we have, we have seen cases that have been reasoned. No child is supposed to die like that, whether in Africa, in the U.S., or anywhere in the world. Not one child in this world needs to die like this. Those are the sentiments of Bridget Harris' mother. The community is now demanding answers and authorities are supposed to serve and protect people. So this episode is just attempting to spark more conversations around police brutality because we need accountability. We need responsible officers who should protect and serve the public. Even in Nigeria, the recent um, anti-SARS protest that we all witnessed, it was all over social media, that conversed the ever so fragile Nigerian nation are certainly not an isolated incident. Instead, they should be viewed as part of, you know, um, a, a fight and a struggle towards police brutality. Throughout the mass protest, Nigerian President Muhammad Buhari uh, was silent for the better part and he was clueless and didn't say anything until the protest and the fight for reform and change escalated and African nations and countries that are around the world talked about it. So this atrocities and brutality are happening all over Africa and the world, whether it's in Nigeria, it's in South Africa, it's in Nairobi, we all are experiencing police brutality. So it's a national conversation, it's a continental conversation, it's a global conversation, so we should keep having it and find solutions and push for change because we deserve an institution that serves and protects its citizens. Unfortunately, this operational outlook has hardly changed and certainly did not at the dawn of independence. So rather than viewing citizens as deserving of protection, police around Africa, whether it's in Nairobi, South Africa, Nigeria, view them primarily as adversaries. So this is a conversation that doesn't stop with an episode. It should continue on all levels, whether it's in the community level, you know, the county level, the national level, in the global level, because at the end of the day, we can't ignore the fact that citizens are suffering in the hands of people that should serve and protect them. Bodies like the UN have also added their voice when it comes to police brutality. In recent um, pronunciation, by a UN human rights expert, they called for nations to adopt wide-ranging forms to end police violence and rigorously address systematic racism and racial discrimination, especially in the USA. And this was sparked by the killing of George Floyd, an unarmed black man, and sparked widespread protests across the world. They said they have repeatedly raised concerns about the excessive force used by American police in the context of peaceful demonstrations and the use of lethal force against citizens and individuals who did not present a threat to life and at the time of the police intervention. The experts said on extrajudicial and arbitrary executions, we have to talk about these atrocities and brutalities happening. And if bodies that like the UN um, can can only add their voice, like us guys here. I don't see if we're gonna achieve much. We need serious reforms. We need bodies like the UN to pressure administrations and governments around the world to reform their police services and to ensure that citizens are protected. Because there has to be a better way to serve and protect citizens. Anywhere in the world, whether it's in Africa It's in the U.S., it's in the Middle East. We've seen what's going on in the Palestine Gaza Strip for being killed and maimed every day. But it's become a way of life. No one wants to address it head on and confront the issue. We need a system that allows everyone to make mistakes and live afterwards. Whether you make mistakes, whether you violate any constitutional a provision, you should be brought to book or to justice in accordance with the law. No one should be harassed or brutally assaulted. It's about time we build that system. Here in Kenya, in Africa, and around the world, this is the Confident One with yours truly Konshizi.